Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host, Richie Plush. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of All Autism Talk, a podcast brought to you by Learn Behavioral, a leading provider of ABA services all across the country. Happy to be here once again. Um, I know a lot of you guys have been seeing more episodes from us and seeing episodes come out more regularly. Um, that 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 is a plan. We have a plan to continue that. Um, our goal is to be pushing episodes out regularly to be supporting all of you during this COVID-19 crisis and just in general. Um, we've had a mix of guests of, from authors and other experts and professionals. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with Katherine Johnson. This week's episode is another one with Katherine Johnson. Um, just trying to mix in a, a little bit of our nor of our typical programming with some extra support right now for everyone who's getting telehealth from other providers or tele-ABA from those in the Learn Behavioral Network. Um, so if you have questions about that or if you have ideas, certainly reach out to us. Or if there's something that's specific to you, certainly reach out to us. Uh, we'll send you our, uh, we'll post our information in the show notes and uh, I'll give it at the end of the show. Um, with that said, thank you, Catherine, again for joining us this week. Hey, Richie, it's good to be here. Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, we, we've talked a little bit about anxiety and I've been thinking about it particularly with my family and, um, mm-hmm. and just the way anxiety comes up. And so, you know, we're going to talk about all sorts of things today. But one of the things I want to share first to get us started is, you know, anxiety comes up in all sorts of different ways. And for example, um, when all this was starting, my son was sick, Uh, not anything serious, but he had a fever and a little bit of a cough. It was just, you know, Mm. a quick bug thing. But, um, but he was convinced he had, you know, quote unquote, the virus. And every time, uh, every time my daughter would walk by him, he would cover himself with a blanket and yell at her to run away so that he wouldn't give her the virus. And, And, It was really cute, really sweet. Um, You know, in the moment, I I tried not to laugh, but, you know, looking back on it, I think he was just hearing hearing what was happening and not understanding, and um, that was just his way of showing he was anxious about all that was going on. Yeah, I think it's so important that we kind of all step back and and recognize that we're not the only ones, you know, the adults aren't the only ones who are sort of taking everything in and becoming stressed out by... um, by all that's going on and getting anxious and kids show their anxiety in different ways. I mean, it sounds like your son was, you know, really able to articulate what was going on, but lots of kids aren't even kids who are very verbal. You can sometimes even stress, even infants will show that they're stressed just by crying more and being cranky more. Um, when, when other folks in the, in the house are stressed out. Uh, you know, I think one of the things about anxiety is that it, it can be a little bit contagious. You know, when I'm feeling stressed, I certainly feel that my family is yes. more stressed. And mm-hmm. as, as I, um, you know, I do more of my things when I'm, in, when I'm anxious, you know, I bite my fingernails and um, mm-hmm. I cook frantically and all those things. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I have to make sure everything's clean. You know, I do a lot of that kind of stuff. I try to make myself busy, but that tends to trigger my, kids to be anxious and there's not like we sit down and say mm-hmm. all right well daddy's feeling stressed and so now you guys should feel stressed it's just it's just mm-hmm. sort of contagious right absolutely and you might see with kids your age preschool age kids and kindergarten age kids 
um, sometimes they start to regress a little bit. They start having yeah. like more toileting accidents or sometimes wetting the bed or they kind of return to that like fear of being separated from their parents, um, have a hard time sleeping. They might have more tantrums, all of those things that sort of like, you know, might feel like they're sort of just being difficult. It's really a reflection of their stress. Right. I mean, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Sleeping. Absolutely. Whenever I'm anxious, I don't sleep as well. And that would be, that would be a clear sign for a lot of people. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about, you know, children with autism, what are some things that, what are some warning signs that we should be looking for from them? I mean, some of them are going to be, you know, obviously they're verbal and can articulate that they're feeling anxious or stressed, but others are not. What, what mm-hmm. behaviors might we see from some of them? I mean, I think that you'll see some of the things that you would see with any kids. They might just have more intense emotional reactions, more difficulty than normal concentrating, um, they also might just have a lower threshold for frustration. And we're going to definitely see um, with, with our kiddos with autism more perseverative behavior and, and probably more challenging behavior. Right. So, you know, the, any of those repetitive behaviors that some families are seeing, um, they may see more of that right now, especially with, you know, not just with the anxiety of what's going on, but also with all the changes in routines as we've talked about on previous episodes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many factors. There's so many changes to all of our lives right now that, um, you know, even if they're not specifically aware of the coronavirus crisis that's going on right now, they are definitely aware of all of the, the day-to-day logistics changes that have, that have happened with changes to school and changes to therapy and therapy schedules. Right. And, you know, and they might have parents working from home or, you know, their child care arrangements has cha- have changed everybody's life has changed sort of from top to bottom and that's stressful. Right. Right. You know, we were, I liked having a nice predictable routine for myself and that's just, Mm -hmm. it feels like every day is different. What are some things that we can be doing, you know, to help our, our children who are suffering from anxiety or seeing an increase or showing an increase in some of these behaviors? Mm -hmm. How can we talk to them about coronavirus and what are things that we can be doing to help them out? Well, I think that one of the things um, you've brought up on several of the co- podcasts is just, um, as we've been talking, is, is just ways that you have, have been able to talk to your kids about your emotions and helping them to talk about their emotions. I think that that's always, always productive. And, you know, they're, they're feeling fear. Sometimes they might be feeling sadness. They might be feeling stress. Um, and just giving them ways to sort of express those things, talk about them, you know, letting them know that it's okay that they're feeling upset and just reassuring them that they're safe. What are some things, I know you've talked about it a little bit in the past, but what are some things that you've done with your kids to help them feel safe? And, you know, how did you speak to your son when you, when he thought he had the virus? Well, in that moment, you know, we sort of just sat, you know, I sat with him and I cuddled with him on the couch and, and, Mm-hmm. He fell asleep, and so that kind of that was a little bit of an easy one. But one of the things that we've been doing, in addition to that, is we allow our kids to ask for alone time, and some mm. and and some of the times they're asking for alone time, and some of the time they're asking for cuddle time, and so Aww. it's been interesting, right? Some of the times they're saying, 
I'm feeling over, you know, they're not saying it necessarily this articulately, but they're saying I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need to kind of be away from the world and play with Legos. And uh, my daughter likes to um, dress up like a princess and play in her princess tent. It's a castle tent. And she likes to do that. And, you know, she lines up, you know, she puts all her stuffed animals out and she, you know, tucks them in and, you know, she, she kind of plays pretend play that way, but it's a way for her to take care of those stuffed animals. Um, mm. right? That way she gets to be the caretaker, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think that's a way for her to have a little bit of control and make sure everybody's safe yeah. and healthy. Right. And, you know, she's not coming out and saying, I'm worried about everyone's health, but this is a way for, you know, kind of it to manifest. And so I think also encouraging people to pay attention to what, what play is happening in their home. You know, how, yeah. how are kids playing? If they're playing doctor a lot, then there's, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. They may just be worried about it or it's on their mind or that may be a way for them to express mm-hmm. themselves. I love how you were talking about how just, you know, your kids are needing more cuddle time. And I think that that's right. really especially important when you think about our kiddos with autism and, you know, what is most comforting to them? You know, what, a, what type of physical content, contact is positive for them? Because some kids, hugging is very comforting. Um, you know, mm-hmm. some of our kids with autism love pressure, love deep pressure, and love to be squeezed. So to just think about and, you know, to whatever degree they're able to communicate, ask them, you know, what types of physical contact is soothing for them because everybody's going to need a little bit more of it right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, you know, what are ways that we can help ourselves feel feel safe? And whether it's under a blanket or I've certainly had some clients that like to swing to make themselves feel better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I've had some that really enjoyed being in a really dark room, right? So we, you know, kind of close the blinds and turn off the lights and, and, and mm-hmm. be really quiet or maybe put on some really quiet music. I think that that has helped again, but it really is, it really is specific to each individual. Yeah. How have you talked to your kids about coronavirus and, you know, what things have you shared with them and what things have you sort of glossed over? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for my kids and, and for some of the clients that we've been working with, we've just been talking about ways to stay healthy. Right. And mm-hmm. not necessarily getting into, um, you know, coronavirus is infecting this many people or it's, you know, impacting this mm-hmm. much, you know, this, this part of the world or any, any of those things What we've been talking about is, you know, there's a virus going around that makes people sick and there are lots of ways for us to stay healthy and not get sick. It's easier to, mm-hmm. it's easier to prevent it than it is to get over it. So what are ways we can prevent it? We can wash our hands. We can wear masks. We can, you know, make sure we're maintaining an appropriate distance. You know, we're not going to get to go out in public as often as we were before, you know, for, for some of our families, they were going to parks regularly. You know, it would be a, every Saturday they'd go, they'd do an outing at the park, you know, weather permitted, mm-hmm. and, and go on the the playground. And now they can't. And so it's, you know, what are things we can do instead? We can't go to the playground, but we can go for a walk. Great, let's do that. It's not so much that things are off. It's that this isn't available. What's an, a, what's an equivalent, you know, or a pretty close approximation of that? Yeah, I think it's important to explain to them in whatever terms they can understand. I just wanted to um, make sure that our listeners know that the most important thing is to get them information that's accurate and to get information that's accurate yourself. Um, and so you can always find facts on the CDC website. And their website actually is 
very clear and it can give you some ideas about what things are what things are appropriate to share with your kids. Great. And we'll put Have that in the in the show notes also so that families can access it that way if they need to um, if they can't find it. Have your kids listened to the news or have you have you sort of shielded them from media coverage of COVID-19? You know, a, a little bit we've shielded them, um, but I know that they're hearing it from other people. And so one of the ways that we've also seen a lot of anxiety from our, from our kids um, has been a lot of questions, a lot of questions about, mm-hmm. you know, just all, all sorts of things, all, all kinds of health-related things, you know. Um, do I have the sickness? Does anyone in our family have the virus? Um, what do we do if we get it? Is there a place we can go to be safe? You know, like they've been asking some questions that don't necessarily seem on this, you know, that, that like seem like they're anxious, um, but you have to dive mm-hmm. in a little bit to see it. So one of the questions that my daughter asked was, is her stuffed animal going to get sick? And where do stuffed animals go when they are sick? And so we had to have a conversation about, you know, only, you know, this virus is really not for stuffed animals. But there, what she was really asking was, Am I going to get sick? That was really her yeah. question. It took me a minute to kind of dive into that, but um, mm-hmm. but she related it to, like, her world. And so sometimes you have to, like, peel back the layers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, are you seeing that with any of your clients or any of or any of or your kids? So my kiddos are a little bit older, and they definitely have become sort of more emotionally reactive. Um, mm-hmm. They have we've tried to keep them away from very much media coverage. So we are trying to be the ones that sort of like vet the information that they have access to um, because we don't want them to, you know, hear a news report and misinterpret what they fear, you know, what they're hearing and, you know, start to get frightened about things that they don't understand. So we try to, you know, encourage questions and, give them answers that are pretty factual and pretty neutral, um, but leaving it open for them to kind of share their feelings in the ways that you've, you've talked about with your kids as well. So you're sort of acting as that filter, right? There's this whole world of information. You're acting as the filter of here are maybe the two or three important pieces of what's going on in our area for our family or whatever that may be. Exactly. But it gets a little difficult when there are people, you know, we have family friends who have gotten sick. And so I think that when, when that has happened, our kids have been really looking to us. I mean, you can see that the intensity in there, they are asking us questions and really studying us to see what our reaction is going to be, to see if we're afraid um, and to see how we respond to it. So my husband and I remind each other pretty frequently that one of our biggest jobs as parents in general, but per- especially during this time, is to kind of set the tone we are going to set the tone, right. you know, are we calm or are we, um, are we stressed out? And I think, you know, like you said, it's contagious, whatever, right. whatever it is that you're putting out, that's what they're taking in. And I think that's true. That's particularly true right now with, um, you know, during, as we're seeing more behaviors come up, you know, my, mm-hmm. my kids and a lot of the families we've been working with have had, you know, more tantrum behaviors, more repetitive mm-hmm. behaviors, like you talked about hand flapping and those, some of those repetitive things, pacing, those types of things. Um, and one of, one of the things that we need to do as clinicians and as parents is really kind of be reassuring. You know, what I don't want is for that to 
cause a wedge, drive a wedge between the two of us, you know, between me and my kids or anybody like that. And I don't want us to have an impact, a long-term impact in our relationship. And so it's really hard to make sure that you're thinking about that. And it may be frustrating for you, but do your best to stay calm and take care of yourself and your own well-being, so that you can kind of set mm-hmm. the tone for your, for your child. You know, I, we've, we've seen certainly that a lot with my children. And, and again, it's, you need a hug. You need to go for a walk. You need a break mm-hmm. from whatever it is that we're doing. And in some ways that's okay, right? That, you know, they're carrying a lot more, you know, I think about their like metaphorical backpacks, right? They're the stuff that they're carrying with them is, it's a lot more now than it was a couple months ago. You know, there's yeah, for the sure. daily changes in routines, the, the stress at home, et cetera, et cetera. And so their backpacks mm-hmm. are kind of full, right? And, and mm-hmm. if you start throwing in, you know, homework and schoolwork and, you know, hand-washing routines and all that stuff, there's not a lot of room for that. So you're going to see a lot more of that frustration that you were talking about before. And that threshold is going to certainly be lower for, you know, frustrating tasks and challenging tasks. So we've talked a little bit about, or we've talked a lot about kind of how to, how to talk to kids about it and how to um, support kids with language. Um, but what about those kids who are, you know, who have, Fewer communication skills. What do you What do you recommend for for families who have kids who are not so verbal and are experiencing stress? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the things we've been doing for some of our families is um, is just you know some of those icons, right, or a choice board, mm-hmm. or um, if you're using a communication device, pre-programming. I need a break. I need a hug you know, I need alone time, even, even just those may be ways that you can get your needs met. And of course, you know, tailor that to whatever works for your son or daughter. But those are, those are big things that can help. You know, if I need a break from this task in this moment, I need to be able to communicate that. And it's certainly not a good time to try to teach that in a crisis mode. So try to introduce Mm -hmm. those when everybody's calm and safe and feeling comfortable, not you're at peak escalation. I'm going to put this into your iPad real quick. And then you can try to ask for a break in the, you know, by then it may be too late. So start off with success. Start off when everybody's calm, you know, mm-hmm. allow, allow that to happen maybe more regularly than you would. That's okay. But you want to teach them. That's a new skill. So you want to teach that behavior. Mm-hmm. It might be helpful for families also who are, who are having these big shifts in either childcare or, you know, whatever's going on in their home to actually put it down in a social story. Mm-hmm. You know, to either put it down in writing or to use pictures and sort of personalize it to to the child's own circumstances to kind of explain what used to happen and what happens now. Have any of your families used social stories like that, Richie? <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we've used social stories in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of varying, um, you know, there's a lot of varying research on social stories, and one of the big things about it is really just it's really giving, giving people a heads up, right? You know, if you think of it that way, yeah. it's giving them a, a, it's explaining things to them in a way that, um, you know, it follows, you don't have to follow the formula necessarily, but it's written from the, the reader's perspective. And so it's first person. And so it really helps identify with one, what's going on, two, what I can expect. And three, mm-hmm. you know, what are some things I can do to, um, to sort of ask for help when I need it or get my needs met? Or, you know, mm-hmm. way, ways that I can, you know, it sort of equips a little bit with some tools before we're starting to escalate a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I use social stories as a, 
as a whole, I've used them quite a bit really as like a, a prepping tool. You, you know, you're going into this situation, you may experience these things. Here's what you can do if that happens. You know, mm-hmm. certainly right now it can be something of, you know, you're experiencing this, school is off for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be doing tele-learning or tele-ABA. You may experience some of these things. You may feel some of these things. Let us know or, or use your token systems or use your coping strategies to let us know when you're starting to feel that way. Yeah, and, and we've been sort of, things have been changing, continuously changing. Um, I know in our house, the structure that we set, you know, when all of this began didn't work forever. And so we have had a couple mm-hmm. of different iterations. And I'm sure that that's happening in other families as well. And so, you know, using those, using social stories to explain when you're going to change the structure, I think, um, is always a good thing. Like you said, you know, from their perspective and sharing what's going to happen, just to give them a heads up, just to give them sort of like a more uh, a feeling of security that they know what's going on. One thing I like to do, and this is certainly um, child specific, definitely, you know, plan this out a little bit, but for some, for some of our learners, giving them a heads up of, you know, this change is coming in a couple weeks. I'm thinking specifically about as places are opening back up you know, giving them a two week heads up of like, Hey, this is going to happen in two weeks for some, for some children. That's really like, Oh, great. You know, two weeks. That's a, that's, a, it's a ways away. I, I don't have to worry about it today, but I know it's coming. Not a big deal for others. It's man, that's, that's a big daunting idea. Um, so I think like before you start, before you start priming your son or daughter, before you start giving a heads up of this is what's going to happen, know what it is that they're, that they're needing, right. For my son, if we map out the whole week, um, it, it makes it confusing for him. So every night before bed, we review the schedule for the next day. Um, and just so he knows, you know, tomorrow's a stay-at-home day. We have this class at 9 o'clock. You're going to go on a walk at 10 o'clock. At 12 o'clock, this is what's going to happen. That helps him. But for some, that may be too, com- too confusing or too much. So, you know, tailor, tailor how much information you're giving. Like you said, act as that filter. Do you have any tips around that? <clears throat> Excuse me, any tips around maybe how much to give or how little or ways to communicate those for learners? Well, I think it's just so important that, that parents know their child, you know? I mean, I think you're right. If you, you, some kids will appreciate that heads up the night before. Some kids will forget between the night before and the next day. And some kids will, (laughs) you know, stress about it and, and be anxious about it if, if they're told too far in advance. So really it's so individual. I think one thing that is, you know, as we're talking about all of these supports, we should also remember that, you know, whether they're verbal or nonverbal, you know, whether they're typical or neurodiverse, our sleep is so incredibly important. Exercise, sunshine, all of those things are ultimately, um, you know, those have a huge impact on our mood and on how we handle stress and anxiety. Right. So, so make sure you're building those into your daily routines and make sure that there's, time of of changing routines make sure you're building in a little bit of structure when you can mm-hmm. i think that's that's so important and i think it's also you know it goes back to modeling for our, for our children right how can we model for our children ways we take care of ourselves so that they can help take care of themselves too absolutely perfect and now Catherine, i know that you are working to create a lot of content for families a lot of uh, videos and articles to support them um, where can we find where can we find those and um yeah, where can we find those? 
You can find those at learnbehavioral.com backslash parent resources. So, yeah, we've got articles coming out every week. We've also got some downloadable instructional PDFs um, of things that parents can be working on with their kids called Help at Home. And we've also got some videos coming out that are just instructions on how parents can use some positive behavioral support. So you can check it out. Great. Excellent. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate your insight on this. And I think, you know, a couple of key takeaways for families really make sure you're being a filter of all the, all the news that's out there, be a filter, communicate with your children, um, you know, model, model taking care of yourself and working on your own emotional regulation. And guess what? If you get upset, it's okay to apologize later. We didn't talk about that, but that is certainly okay. And that's, that's a welcome thing. I think it's a model, a good way to model for our kids that we're human too. And um, you know, Take a deep breath and go for a walk. We can all do those things and help ourselves. That will help us help our children. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. I appreciate you guys being here. As always, you can find us uh, on Facebook or on Instagram at Autism Therapies. And if you have a show suggestion or a topic you'd like us to cover, please send us an email at allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com and subscribe and rate us at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be well, everyone. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. This podcast is brought to you by Learn Behavioral, the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs. Visit us at learnbehavioral.com. Listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.